0: Hello, and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Haj Asad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben.
1: Greetings, 2023 listeners.
0: Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, these are the voices of your hosts. My name is Sammy. That's Ben over there. We're best buds, and we're automotive journalists. In fact, um, you can find our work all over the internet. Ben, tell them. Tell them where they can find your work.
1: <laughs> sure. You you can find my work at Car and Driver, at Motor Trend, at Inside Hook, and at Haggerty.
0: That's just in case they didn't believe me. I needed somebody to support me. I needed S- a source.
1: Sandy's That's really into them. the power of belief.
0: I am. I really am. And I believe you can find my work at autotrader.ca, driving.ca, Nouveau Magazine, and Car and Driver. Ben, we've got some cars to talk about this week, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, and sorry that we've been gone for so long. Sammy's travel schedule has, of course, held us hostage to an erratic posting uh, over the last month or so. But he swears that he's got it under control. I and, do, and that we're going to be able to keep things a little more regular around here. I'm just saying that on air to hold you accountable. <laughs> oh no,
0: I don't know about that. But we are. We we come on, man. It's been like six years. We, we've we've Consistently got at least an episode out a week. It's been faltering a little bit lately because of my travel travel schedule. But
1: you've got
0: more interesting stories coming your way because of it, right? Also,
1: the fact that you insist on recording late, late, late at night, like 1 2 a.m. That's when yeah. the quote unquote juices are flowing. I don't yeah. know what that means because we don't do video on these podcasts. <laughs> So I just assume the worst. Um but it makes it a little extra difficult.
0: But but just cuz we don't do video, I think our listeners can can visualize and imagine the energy that we bring to the podcast. They probably see me gesticulating wildly, moving my shoulders up and down right now and uh and obviously they feel it,
1: right? Visualize this, when we first did the podcast, Sammy insisted on recording from a sauna. And it was really hard on equipment. Like we were going through <laughs> <I> mics lo- <laughs> once a month.
0: It was. Rare. They were just I, you remember, you from the, the inside. No, do you remember the whole? Um, I had a whole apparatus to hang things from the ceiling, but I cheaped <laughs> out on the. I cheaped out on the screws. Remember
1: when the YMCA kicked you out and said no more sauna recording? I remember.
0: Yeah, I don't. I think they had something against me. I don't think it was the recording that was the problem. I think you know? they had
1: a clear policy on the door about microphones, and you just ignored mm-hmm. it.
0: What was this podcast about again? Cars, of course. Ben, what have you been driving lately? Tell me a story about a car right well, now.
1: in your absence, I, I drove numerous vehicles. One might even say lived several lifetimes all by myself here in North America <laughs> while you were across the Atlantic living a, a very different lifestyle. Uh, but the first one I want to talk to about this week is the new Land Rover Defender 130, Sammy. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, I know, the, I know the name Land Rover. I know the word Defender. What is 130?
1: What does that mean again? So Land Rover has done the thing where they used to tell you what size a vehicle was in its lineup by its wheelbase, I believe, or its overall length. One or the other. I think it's wheelbase. And, uh... That's the
0: nerdiest thing I can think of.
1: So they had the Defender 90 and the Defender 110, and they still do this. It's, I don't really know if those numbers reflect any reality because uh, I haven't actually checked the spec. But the Defender 90 is the two-door version, and then the 110 is the four-door version. So the 130, it's not a six-door version, <laughs> but it is a longer version of the 110. And it's interesting in how it's longer. Uh, unlike, you know, sometimes what do you, mean you s- how it's longer how how but, how because, many ways
0: can a vehicle be longer?
1: Well, remember last week or a couple of weeks ago, I've lost all track of time. No. When I, I was run. driving the Bolt EUV, and that vehicle had a longer wheelbase than the regular Bolt, right? And it had a yep. larger back seat as or more back seat room as a result. Yes. The thing with the 130 is it doesn't have a longer wheelbase than the 110, but it has a longer <laughs> rear end. They took like 13.4 inches of sheet metal and glass and just attached it to the back of the truck. So.
0: So this is why they couldn't go the route with every other automaker input and, and just stick an L at the end of the Yeah, it's game.
1: not the 110L. It's the, it's the <laughs> 130. Uh, and it's it's an interesting thing to do because you, when you think about how vehicles are designed, proportion is very important, right? Like you want everything to look like every measurement and dimension of a vehicle should play nicely with the other measurements and dimensions yeah, of that vehicle. Sure. So yeah. the, the 110 was designed to look a certain way. And then they just kind of took extra truck and gave you bonus truck on top of the already big truck and they didn't change i love
0: it. the way you describe this there's one guy who's sitting there who's like i've made it i made the perfectly proportioned defender and they're like excellent well done and they looked at this <laughs> next guy and like make it bigger and uglier
1: <laughs> you're like more more yeah. <laughs> yeah and that poor first guy is like but my beautiful design now i want to say i don't think it's uglier I think in, Okay, sorry. I think in photos it does not look very good. I think in person the proportions work much better. In general, it just kind of looks like a 110 with something hanging off the rear wheels, but there's like there's another detail that's very very easy to miss when you're looking at the 110 and the 130, and that's you know how Land Rover likes to put those windows in the roof kind of where you have like Oh yeah, safari windows. Yeah. So the 110 has them, I believe. It has like very thin Safari windows. The 130 has none. It's just like a straight back all the way. So that's a big visual difference. If you can't, okay. if you don't know how long what you're looking at is, look for the absence or presence of those windows and that will tell you what's going on. So that's the big deal with the 130. It is bigger. It's heavier. It's like 500 pounds heavier than a 110. There's a lot going on. Wow.
0: And 500 pounds of butt was added to this? Yeah, it's
1: above 500 pounds of butt from what I understand. I mean, I could I could be wrong, but I think that's the general that that's no way. There's more seats back there. Yes, that's the whole deal. So again, the 110, the regular 110. Sorry, there's only one 110. The regular (laughs) four door defender.
0: (laughs) That's because I told you about the 110 L that doesn't exist. You can Uh, get like
1: a weird option. I want to say it's like less than two grand or something and it'll stuff a uh, it'll stuff what resembles a third row immediately behind the second row in the 110. It is a nightmare, like just seat backs and
0: no and no leg room.
1: Well, the thing is, I've heard some people who sat in it said that their thighs didn't even touch the seat bottom, like they were wedged in such a way where like their back and their knees were keeping them upright in the back. It's a very, very low seat bottom, so. It's totally designed for very small children, and even then, it's a bit of a stretch. Okay. Uh, so Land Rover kind of took a look around, and they said, you know what? Three rows is a popular thing. We offer three rows in the Discovery. I don't think you can get it in the Range Rover Sport anymore. You used to be able to. Does the regular Range Rover, the regular, does the yeah. does that the have Range a Range Rover, Rover
0: standard? The the big boy Range Rover can get a can get a third row. Yeah,
1: so that's a that's a very large vehicle. So I think they looked. You know, Land Rover has the two sides of their lineup. They have the Range yes. Rover side, which is very luxurious, and then they have like the Defender and Discovery side, which is aimed more at either off roaders or families. And I think they wanted to make like an off road three row, which no one else in the market's really doing. I can think of two vehicles that are trying to do the same thing. Do, do you know what they are, Sammy? Like a full-size off-roader, three-row vehicle. A full-size yeah. off-roader, three-row. And I don't mean like a Suburban or a Tahoe with a Z71 package. I mean like something that was designed for off-roading.
0: A Land Cruiser, baby.
1: Yeah, so Land Cruiser doesn't exist in North America anymore.
0: <laughs> but there's like a Lexus. Version. There is the
1: Lexus. So the LX600, but the problem is the LX600 rear seat is pretty tiny. And, and
0: the rest of the car, every every element of the car is yeah.
1: It has like the super low front fascia that's going to get caught on rocks and stuff. And it has all the gear you'd want to go off-roading, but like the package itself is no longer really aimed at surviving that experience. Um, And then
0: the other option is the uh, Infiniti QX80.
1: No, I wouldn't call the QX80 a dedicated off-roader, but you you can go to the Jeep showroom and pick up a Wagoneer. No, I can't. Well, I mean, in a world where you're not always in Ireland... I'm not. I'm. Cats out of the bag. That's what Sammy was. I've
0: been banned from all Jeep dealers. I think.
1: So, so the Jeep Wagoneer is a legitimate three-row. There's also the Grand Wagoneer. Were we confused about its legitimacy as a three-row? I would be confused about its legitimacy as an off-roader. Well, that's the thing. See, (laughs) Jeep did not trail certify either the Wagoneer. There you go. I need that stamp. Yeah, because they said it's too big to like be on the trail. That's straight up in an interview with I believe one of the executives. They said we weren't going to bother.
0: Favorite. That is so good to me. I like that. They have a trail that they must... I don't know what did they have to do. I, I think it has to cross the to...
1: Rubicon Trail. I think that's the oh, deal. Yeah.
0: And uh, they couldn't just, you know, make the Rubicon Trail bigger. Plus. Yeah, they
1: didn't just take a bulldozer and... <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought
0: they could, but, you know, Stellantis has some... they have some budget problems, I think.
1: So, all that to say, the Defender 130 kind of stands on its own, and... I want to say this too. I don't really think Land Rover's goal was to build a truck where you could take your whole family off-roading. I don't think that's what they wanted to do. I think what they were looking for was to capture that that slice of the market that says, I want to go off-roading on the weekends, but I have this lingering fear in the back of my mind that one day I'll need to transfer, transport eight people. <laughs> and my my family will look at my bronco or whatever it is that i have and just kind of sneer and laugh at me and i'll have to buy a minivan so this is kind of like i don't
0: know i think there's there's so much more to that i think um i think it's a school bus for when the apocalypse happens
1: okay that's an interesting statement sammy you think that after the apocalypse there will still be school follow there, up question school is there will be happening. organized transportation yeah. to these schools
0: we have to there's well there's gonna be some people who will like to pretend that the world will continue on
1: what do they teach at apocalypse school like advanced <laughs> maiming and like how to avoid radioactive fallout I don't know. yeah i can learn that things. at home Foraging,
0: I, also how to forage properly
1: i guess that's true Foraging is a legitimate skill it is so what i'm saying is i think they kind of wanted to family no, but prove... hold on
0: i also do believe that you could take eight people in a in a regular. I mean, you'd have to go through the trail off road first with five people, then drop off. You have to remember. You have uh, I don't want to hear this the...
1: <laughs> weird trail relay system that you're designing. That's even stranger than the apocalypse school bus. What? Okay,
0: stranger. Okay. Back
1: to the Defender 130. It's here to uh, soak up families who want to look tough or people who legitimately want to go off road, but occasionally feel the need to transport eight people the good news is in the back that third row of seating it's legit you can put adults back there it's totally fine uh even tall people are going to be pretty okay back there okay um good. the other thing that is a bonus with the 130 is you get about nine cubic feet of additional cargo space versus the 110 and the nine cubes isn't that
0: bad actually yeah
1: uh, there's only a small amount with the seats up that's with everything folded down so with the seats up you get a little bit more space the weird thing though and this is a problem with every single defender i've ever been in there's no flat load floor there's like a weird hump like a ridge that gets formed when you fold the rear seat so there's a big gap there's like a a trunk kind of depression and then there's a little bit of a space and then there's a, a ridge where the seat folds and so good luck with lying something flat there if it needs to be completely flat and the the it's even more pronounced in the defender 90 where it's very stubby in the back i don't get why land rover every other suv builder has been able to figure out a flat load floor it is not available in the defender ha huh.
0: Um, that's unfortunate. I don't love that. I think flat load floors are a, they're like, they're magic, man. You need them. They're they're not something that need to be, um, in every vehicle, but I do think that they make a huge difference when they are there. Right. Yeah. Um,
1: the other differences with the one thirty. obviously it's longer, right? So when you drive, you're going to notice that.
0: Yeah. So does it wobble around? Do you notice that bit of it? It's very
1: smooth. It's very competent. No problems in terms of handling. You do feel that it's bigger. It becomes an issue when you're parking, uh, if you're driving in the city. The bulk of the vehicle is noticeable, but out on the highway, like, it it drives quite nice. The extra weight is taxing on the engine. You can only get one engine with the 130. So the regular 110, I believe you can get a a supercharged V8, a turbocharged 4, and a turbocharged straight 6. The 130 is just the turbocharged straight 6, so it's like 395 horsepower and a little bit more than 400 pound-feet of torque. That's perfectly fine. It's enough, but it's no more than enough. Like when you're accelerating on the highway, it doesn't feel particularly quick. Um, around town, it's fine. But and I mean, I don't remember
0: the straight six version of the of the. the regular four door to be particularly fast feeling either yeah it felt maybe responsive but not fast
1: so i imagine that with like 500 extra pounds yeah (laughs) and the other area where the length really informs that is if you do decide to take the whole family off-roading you're going to have a departure angle that is not nearly as good as the 110 so you go from 40 angles to 20 to 40 40 angles 40 degrees to 28 and a half degrees, you're going to be dragging bumper on the trail if you decide to take this out in the in the middle of nowhere.
0: Easy. That, that makes sense. I mean, like I said, if you had the if you had the smaller one, you can just take people oh my across. Goodness. The, I'm telling you, you can Next just you're going to be them like first,
1: you could duct tape back. a wicker chair to the roof. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, call that person the commander and then <laughs> sail into the wilderness. So I didn't call them commander. I called them Capitan, yeah. Well, Capitan makes sense because the defender can actually ford like thirty-five inches of water.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> so can
1: you imagine being strapped to a chair that's strapped to the roof of a defender that's in the middle of a river?
0: Yeah, I guess I. That's I a, really. That's can't.
1: a poor life choice.
0: <laughs> it is not the way you want
1: to do it. I mean, but that's, that's that the kind of it. obituary that you just people are going to laugh at you.
0: Okay, my favorite thing to talk about when it comes to uh, JLR products um, is usually the technology because they are some of the flashiest technology that sometimes never works properly.
1: What do you mean by flashy?
0: It's cool. Like, I mean, you always get these neat, like, uh, displays and graphics everywhere, um, big screens, 3D images.
1: No, the Defender is not really like that. It's kind of feels very meat and potatoes. Yeah, it's simple night uh it's the, less to go wrong right the whole interior is i guess simple would be a good way to put it it's luxurious but not high-end i guess you could say mm-hmm. the the thing that i kept coming back to when driving this car which, which i liked driving it i i thought it was you know as a daily it makes sense i mean the fuel economy is not great i think it's like less than 20 combined yeah
0: but i mean if you compare that to a suburban or a or sure. a whatever you call it, the Wagoneer. Sure. I it's mean, not much better, right? No, but
1: those are much, those are quicker vehicles and with, with V8 options, but getting back to my, my train of thought on, on driving this, I really compared it a lot to the Bronco. And my thought was, if you have a Bronco and you, you have a family and you need a third row, you have no options. Yeah. like you can't. You, there's nothing in the Ford family. You could get an Expedition, but it's not going to take you off road in the same way as a Bronco. Whereas Land Rover has given you this option with the 130 that really does add legitimate capability to the 110. But not only that, it doesn't ask you to bear with all the bad parts of the Bronco, like the super loud driving, the super loud sounds from like the the fabric roof or like the mm-hmm. the the problems with the fiberglass roof, the echoing, the booming, um, and the interior quality, which is. No, nowhere near what you would expect, or sorry, nowhere near what you get from the Defender. The mm-hmm. pricing is very, very similar. Interesting. You can get a 130 for 68 grand.
0: And hey, that doesn't seem uh, awesome, t- like over the top, right? No, like, that's, like,
1: that's like the base model. And that model is, you can get Broncos that are 70,000 and more, yeah, you know? Easy.
0: So, uh, you know, the, X, the 2023 Expedi- Ford Expedition Timberline, which I think is their... Most their off-road cosplaying version of yeah, that's expedition the
1: Wilderness Expedition
0: starts at, starts at um, seventy-one grand.
1: Okay, so in my mind, if you're looking at a Bronco, yeah. if you're looking at a seventy thousand dollars Bronco and as and a sixty-eight thousand dollars Defender, I don't think there's a real choice there. I feel like unless you're super hardcore off-road and you're going to be bashing dunes and you, and and whatnot, or you want the Bronco Raptor or whatever it is, um, I think the Defender is probably a better choice. Whether it's the one ten or the or the one hundred and thirty. I think that's a really
0: exciting development for um, Jaguar Land Rover, who has who has made a lot of um, appealing vehicles, but vehicles that never seem to be super competitive. And I think that this is something that's um, that's really helping beyond like the Range Rover. I think the Range yeah. Rovers are, are usually really appealing and people like them for for reasons beyond just competitiveness. Right.
1: Like, when I drove the the Defender ninety, the, the two door, I wasn't super smitten with it because. The, the two door form factor is cool, but yeah. I didn't really feel like the experience was premium enough to justify the price. When I mm-hmm. look at the one hundred and thirty and what it has to offer, like the three rows, legitimate eight passenger seating, that does kind of give you value for the money that the two door doesn't, and that compares well against Bronco at the high end.
0: I was really caught off guard by your uh, by how much you took you 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 fall in love with these bigger um, SUVs. I'm really. I'm a sucker for smaller things. I really do like uh, something that's a little bit more maneuverable or, or or like I really can never find seven other people to fit in a car with me. Like just I, I don't
1: have me. seven friends, Sammy. But okay. I'm saying like in a world where maybe I did, this vehicle would make a difference. I'm not saying I would buy the 130, but I do understand okay. the the business case behind it. And, and obviously, you can spend a lot of money on the Land Rover if you want to. Like mm-hmm. mine was a first edition. I'm sure that was like 20 grand more. Than the base price, but I don't really think you need whatever features that brings with it. I think it's pretty well equipped right out of the box. Okay,
0: nice. Um, what else is on your mind? Is, is that it for, for that's this? it
1: for the Land Rover? Yeah, but, but you drove another even
0: cooler car, I
1: think. Oh wow! Now, now it's a hierarchy.
0: I do think there's a hierarchy.
1: A lot of pressure uh, on this car to be cool now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes.
1: So i I spent two weeks during the holiday season behind the wheel of the BMW M850i Coupe. One of
0: our favorite trim trim levels of the 8 Series, I think.
1: Yeah, so, and when I say coupe, I mean like real coupe, not grand coupe. This is the two-door version. It's a a car you don't see much of anymore, which is the full-size two-door. And I can really only think of a handful of competitors. There's what, there's the LC500. And what else is there? (laughs) I mean, Um... the F-Type and the Porsche 911 are kind of there in price, but they're not quite as large. No,
0: you're right. And I think there's a the new SL. But that's but a convertible. It is a convertible, exactly. So
1: it's like BMW is one of the few companies that's still making a a, a large coupe that's around 100 grand. Um, I mean, there's a cheaper version, you can get an 840 version of this as well, but the version I drove, you know, ran a hundred grand, big V8, big power, but not necessarily a sports car. Like this is, this is a car that like the Lexus is designed for grand touring, is designed for really eating up tons of miles on a long road trip and being stylish in a way that a sport utility vehicle just can't be.
0: Does the, now that it has four seats, does the 911 fit in that category yet?
1: Well, the 911's always had four seats, and I just did oh, just my mention bad. it. Yeah,
0: sorry, <laughs> but it's
1: it's a lot smaller.
0: I was I'm I'm out of it now. Okay, <laughs> um, I'm still thinking about the the five hundred pounds of butt in the other car. Okay, um, I'm I'm I've always been really impressed with the eight series. I think it's a gorgeous design. I think the um, there's a couple of trim levels that you, or body styles you can also get. You mentioned the Grand Coupe. There's also a cabrio version of the vehicle. And then, of course, there's the M8 um, versions of the vehicle. But you got the M850, which is not the full-bore M8. But something a little bit less um, hardcore. Yes. But I think that fits the character of the car better,
1: right? For sure. To me, the M8... It's overkill in a lot of ways because this is uh, even the vehicle, the 850. It weighs 4,400 pounds. So when you start thinking about taking a vehicle that's that heavy on the racetrack, you mm-hmm. start to lose things like road feel and communication between the steering and what's going on uh, with the front wheels, and it's going to be murder on brakes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you yeah. add in the tons of power. I think it's like over 600 horsepower from the M8, and things can get. I don't know. It becomes one of those curated speed experiences that we've talked about in the past, more so than a driver's car. But the M850, what I like about it is it doesn't pretend to be a sports car, but it's way more powerful than the base model. Like the the, the 840 is 335 horsepower. Obviously it's more than that, but that's what BMW advertises that turbo six at. The M50, it's a twin turbo 4.4 liter V8 and has 523 horsepower and 553 pound feet of torque. That's a lot to upgrade to.
0: That is a lot. Um, I need to say... I don't think the M eight forty actually exists. It seems like a but product that's
1: it's not an M eight forty, it's just the A forty at that point. Sorry, gotta stay on brand here. It's confusing. <laughs> I don't think
0: that car really exists. I've always been had my eyes out for it and I've never seen it. I've A40 never seen one. on the road. Um and I think it's just there to say we offer a product at this at this price point, but you really I don't think you can buy one. I mean it's That's all- my that's that's a really actually I shouldn't say that. It's a bold statement for me to say you can't buy it. I think you can buy it. You just you'd probably be nudged in the M 850s fifty. I've never
1: seen one either, so I hear what you're saying. Uh the the eight fifty is very quick, like zero to sixty in three point six seconds. That's, That's so good. It's pretty absurd. All wheel drive is standard, eight speed automatic. It has a back seat that is laughable. Uh but you can use it I used it to, to, you know, carry goods and, and gifts across great distances to various members of my family. Um the front seat's very, very comfortable, but what I found interesting, and this is my, my partner, she is a big fan of massage seats, and I believe the M850 model that I drove had sports seats in it, which meant no massage, so that was a little bit of a letdown. Oh. Other than that, though, the, the cockpit feels great, looks great. It's It's a nice companion for road trips. I have to say that this is a car that does exactly what it's intended to do properly. It's it is okay. that comfortable, quick, and stylish. There aren't really any downsides. My fuel economy wasn't even that bad. Um, over you say
0: this, I want to. I want to talk about this. It's very strange for us to say. I mean, it might sound very, very strange for some for us to say a car had a mission statement and achieved that mission statement. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and I think um, the reason why it's strange is because so many cars these yeah. days try to be everything.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. I agree with you one hundred percent. And I, it feels like I don't know. It's not exactly you know that somebody had a, a case of you know limiting the eight the the eight series or something. They just stuck to the game plan and made and executed a really good product. Thoroughly, I think.
1: Yeah. And I managed to get through, over the course of two weeks, 22 miles per gallon in combined driving. Hey, that's not bad. Which is really nuts. For that much performance, right? Yeah. I mean, you're not going to get that really in in an SUV. And and there were points, there were times where on long highway stretches, I was getting something like 28 miles per gallon highway. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's impressive to me. We also say the same
0: thing a a little bit about the, the Lexus LC, that it's a grand tour and it really executes the idea of a grand tour. But we've also had a caveat with the LC, which is its infotainment system. Yeah. And its technology sometimes feels a little bit dated, where I don't think you have that issue with the 8 Series.
1: No, but what I like about the LC that you don't get with the 8 Series is the LC 500 from Lexus has a naturally aspirated V8. And it sounds amazing. And you have that instantaneous Mm. throttle response. The M850 is super fast, but it's all about low-end torque. Yeah, it's it's
0: that turbo fast.
1: Yeah, and it's it's a muffled sound. So it's not as visceral a car. Again, I don't need it to be that because I like the grand touring aspect of it. Um, The Lexus is also softer. It's definitely softer from a suspension tuning standpoint. Okay. The BMW had adaptive dampers and you could choose, you know, Sport, sport plus, sport maniac, whatever you want, like really, really stiff settings for the, for the springs and sh- for the shocks. Sorry. And even when it was in comfort mode, there were... was
0: think about that sport plus, and there should be sport minimum, right?
1: Well, there, there used to, <laughs> there is sport minimum in like the X seven and the seven series. I think it's called like comfort plus okay really it's, yeah it's super floaty and you get like super disconnected steering as well no that's just more comfort it's not sporty at all no no of course not like but, but what you're saying you said you didn't you say like sport minus or something
0: sport minus yeah it's yeah. almost it's almost more sport but it's not
1: well if you want sport minus you can do what i do which is go to individual and then just set it up so the engine's loud but the suspension yes. is soft and that exactly. kind of exactly yeah. that's
0: my jam i love that okay i'm glad that somebody else follows this this mindset
1: but the the lexus definitely compared to the bmw there are going to be bumps in the ma50i that you do not feel in the lexus so again it's it's somewhat the chassis is still kind of hinting that maybe you're going to want to like shake things up on a on a back road and i guess you could but that's not what i wanted to do in this car (laughs) i'm
0: now that we're on the mindset of talking about individual i wonder if they can you know Every time you take a car in for a dealership, it's it's like reporting data back to the mothership in some way or another. And I wonder if it if it knows all of the individual um, settings that are currently set up or how often they're used, and they can just come up with new drive modes based on the
1: averages there or
0: something like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess I wondered though too if like the drive modes aren't aspirational. Yeah, for sure they are. You know, they're or. like, oh yeah, I I I use the sport plus because that's the best one. You know, like it's. <laughs> I have an X6M because it's the most expensive X6. It's like the same kind of... Do you attitude. think
0: somebody could reasonably drive a BMW product in Sport Plus every day?
1: Some of them, yeah. I think so. I think it depends where you live. If you're in bumper-to-bumper traffic on broken pavement, I mean, unless you're a total masochist, no, Right.
0: I swear the transmission never goes out of, like, fifth gear or something like that.
1: I, sometimes yeah. it feels like it's never going out of first gear, like, when you pull away from it. And you're, like, that guy or girl who's driving down the street. He's like... Yeah. And everybody hates you. So, like, I would love
0: to know if you're a BMW owner who uh, just keeps your product, your car in Sport Plus all the time. Um, not a single minute in, in regular sport, sport men, Or comfort, or whatever the other one is called, eco, eco pro. Now, eco Eco pro, I
1: think I would wager eco pro is the least used setting in a BMW. I have to admit, though, on one of the long stretches, like the six-hour stretch of driving I did, I put it in eco pro, and I think that's where I got my best mileage.
0: Yeah, I do that too. Anytime it's a it's road trip time, which again is the like go-to attitude of this vehicle, right? Yeah, but I mean,
1: I do turn it off though. It depends. I'll use Eco Pro when there's no traffic, but if there's traffic, I need the throttle response. Um, so if, if there's no traffic and I'm in adaptive cruise and everything is fine, then yeah, EcoPro is fine. But like when I get into um, any type of situation where I have to react to someone doing something stupid, <laughs> then I need it in, in at least comfort. Not just stupid,
0: just, it's not stupid, it's unexpected. Oh, they're it's doing stupid. Something unexpected.
1: Trust me, if you were in the car with me, I would be telling you exactly how stupid it is. I believe you have someone in your life who's similar in their outlook on, on what other drivers do.
0: Oh, yes, I do. Um, what else is there to say about the the about the 8 Series? Did you have the big key?
1: No, I didn't have the key with the screen on it. I don't know if they're still doing that. Oh, the key the key with the screen on it that also uh, runs out of battery and then it's just a really hefty key in your pocket. Yeah. that. Um, um,
0: and did you have any, did it work with, did the infotainment system work?
1: Yeah, it worked fine. It's upgraded for this year. It's 12.3 inches across now. It's a little bit bigger. Okay. Um, the, the thing that comes to mind when I think about the M A fifty is it's really like a bargain version of a Bentley or a Rolls-Royce coupe, I think. It's probably the best way to put it you're getting that same size factor you're getting similar amounts of power but it's like a hundred thousand dollars so it's it's not you could spend three or four times that amount elsewhere for okay. a similar experience obviously the rolls is going to be a lot more insulated and the bentley i don't know i mean the bentley has the badge recognition but aside from that like you have to decide whether that's valuable to you what you value most out of the car
0: i miss this. Class of vehicle. Um, I used to be a big fan of what was called the Mercedes-Benz CL class, and then they be called they called it the S class coupe. Yeah, these were cool cars to me. Um, totally aspirational, not sport oriented, but were stylish, personal luxury.
1: Right, like it's a segment yeah. that was obliterated by SUVs. I had a Lincoln Mark Eight. Uh, from the mid 90s and that was kind of the Lincoln version of that it had like a 32 valve Cobra motor but it was in like a very large package two doors comfortable air suspension you know it was a lot of fun but that that, those cars disappeared at the end of the 90s it used to be the Eldorado Eldorado Touring Coupe I think the ETC was the Cadillac version of that and Cadillac hasn't made a big coupe in a super long time so now Mm. before we sorry sorry go on
0: now, before we close out um, the conversation about the the 8 Series, I wanted to talk about this concept of, like, the Grand Tour and how we talked about some other sports cars or two-door cars that feel like they're trying to be Grand Tours but can't quite execute. Um, I think you've made this clear about, let's say, the the Z or the Supra um, and other, you know, smaller vehicles that don't just feel, like, they're not sporty enough to be sports cars, like, true race track-oriented sports cars, and they're not comfortable enough or at this level of road trip ability. And then they end up getting caught in the middle, and you and we end up saying they didn't execute the, the mission statement, right? Yeah, and I then mean, you've they, got they, they're trying to b- please
1: yeah. too many masters.
0: And then you've got this BMW that does that, right? It does what it's supposed to do. And I and I just think it's important to, to tell people what the criteria is that we're kind of judging them on. And they might hear us say grand tour or road trip kind of coupe, and not know what that means. This is what we mean. Like yeah, eight series is
1: exactly. What and we mean. and also just the idea of a focused automobile. I mean, if you look at so much of the market, it's it's hard to pick a vehicle that mm-hmm. is designed to do just one thing and do it well. I mean, you okay, have, I
0: think there's a lot of good ones though. Those are usually the best at what they do. But like there Miata, are. I don't think there are. Wrangler. I was going to.
1: I was going to say there's a. There aren't a lot of them. I mean, I was going to say Miata. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But what other small sports car is dedicated to just being a small sports car? ah <laughs> 86
0: 86 almost 80, is there
1: almost is there but it has a back seat you know yeah. and it's, it's so, considerably I mean
0: 911s have back seats
1: it's considerably heavier I yeah but I you know is the 911 really a sports car or is it a grand touring car and a sports car at the same time until oh. you get into things like the GT3
0: yeah okay then Cayman
1: Okay, yeah. So we, now we've named three cars, <laughs> you know, out, <laughs> of, the, there. out of the out of the however many there are. I, I, the point I'm making <clears throat> is, you often see sports sedans and sport utility vehicles, Hot and hatches. yeah, those are all. It's like they're mashing genres together, they're mashing segments together to make a more exciting version of a car that's not that exciting in general. Yeah. So it. To to have something that's focused just on being comfortable on a road trip and looking good while doing it, or just being fun to drive on a back road or a racetrack, or just being good off road, and then you know, like the you said, the Wrangler. Once I you get, get the, Wrangler the Wrangler into the city, it's it's like so compromised. Yeah, <laughs> which is
0: where the Bronco tried to tried to take on the the Wrangler, I think, and kind of flopped. A little, not flopped, it but it definitely the...
1: fluffed it. It's not. <clears throat> it's not. You know.
0: It's not good enough in some situations, yeah? No, it
1: could have been way better than it is, and it's not.
0: So, And then we say minivans, all three or all three. I think there's three major minivans. Excellent but, family vehicles.
1: But they're all, you know, whereas once a minivan was just like a box that you put people and stuff into, now they're like super expensive luxury experiences, and you can't really get an affordably priced minivan anymore. I think that the Kia is the closest, and even that is still expensive.
0: I've been trying to tell my my wife that I want to get a minivan when the, when the time comes, and she's like, she's not a she's not into it. And I keep trying to tell her like, you know, very few cars come with automatic opening doors. There's like Rolls Royces and there's minivans, man. Like that's <laughs> legit. And then I talk about how you can just make seats disappear. They don't you don't take them out. They just disappear. I love that. Um, anyways, okay. Anything else you want to talk about
1: this week? Well, there there's some news that happened. I don't know if while you were away, you were aware of news that didn't directly involve you. Um, no,
0: I only I only Google search my name every day. But
1: there, there's, a, there's a new Corvette uh, called the E-Ray. Have you heard about this? Um, I did hear about this. To me, this sounds like a Acura NSX. An Acura NSX? Well, They made makes- a
0: hybrid version of the Corvette. Okay.
1: So why is that like an NSX to you?
0: Because the NSX was a hybrid.
1: Okay. There and they're go, both mid-engine, it. and they both have a similar shape. Is that where else you're going with this? Yeah, yeah. Okay. The,
0: all, et cetera. <laughs> you know, that, that was implied. Um, but the big deal, of course, is that the Corvette maintains its V8, as far as I understand, which is a, which is actually a significant... Um, aspect or big part of the package of the Corvette.
1: Yeah, so you get like a, an extra electric motor that adds like 160 horsepower. It's like 655 horsepower total. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, what's weird, <laughs> there's a bunch of weird... It's, it's, it's all-wheel drive, first of all. Woo-hoo. Second, fuel economy is like roughly the same as the regular Stingray, a little bit better in the highway, sorry, in the city. Uh, but on the highway it's worse, so <laughs> it's, it kind of balances out. And it has, like, the ability to drive on battery alone, but only up to 45 miles an hour.
0: Which is what all, like, mild hybrids do. I joked at you and I said, sounds like a 2012 ford c max right like yeah that, it can do the same thing
1: it's like and get this you only get two miles of battery travel no, at that no. speed. so it's at 1.9 kilowatt hour kilowatt hour battery that is bigger than the nsx which is 1.3 kilowatt hours
0: wow massive difference 1.9 to
1: 1.3 so um anyway i had a friend of the show uh, jamie wrote in to to ask or just kind of talk about the the E-Ray with me. And he was saying like, look, is this the kind of thing that's going to be... Are they making a play for people like us who live in the northern part of the country where we have to deal with winter? And you have this all-wheel drive capability. And I believe when they launched it, they showed it like doing donuts at Rockefeller Center on the skating rink. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, that's what I saw too. And they had like a way of... They had a way of making wheels spin in a way that's not supposed to be spun. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, they
1: have something. It's called... uh, it's, it's like the, tank turn. It's called cyclone turn. Cyclone. But the turn. thing is, so there <laughs> is are people the name? <laughs> Yeah, it's the official name. So there are people who are driving their C8s in the winter. For me, it's not so much a question of question of all-wheel drive, but ground clearance. Yeah. I I think that this is the kind of vehicle that would get hung up in the snow more than get stuck in the snow. Oh, sorry, get, than get stuck cuz it's rear-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. Um, the other issue is Where was I going with this? The the tire availability for winter tires oh, yeah. for vehicles it's like nil. I mean, I'm sure they're out there, but it can't be it can't be affordable, and there can't be a ton of choice. No, they're calling it. It's going to be about 104 grand to buy, so affordability is a little bit out the window. Really?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yes, I'm on the wrong website, of course. <laughs> um,
1: they it, it's an interesting vehicle. I don't remember how much weight this adds to the package. It'll do 60 in 2.5 seconds, which is the fastest Corvette ever um it can do a quarter mile in ten and a half seconds which is slower than the demon if that matters to anybody (laughs) but um okay let's
0: the the weight is three seven uh thirty seven hundred for the for the coupe and thirty eight hundred for the uh convertible okay i don't know how that compares i don't know um talk to me though a moment here there's still the zr1 coming right I assume is that our, so, Z06. Sorry,
1: Z06 is coming. Well, the Z06 exists. It's out there now.
0: Yes. And what is that motor again? A, a
1: it's a charge. Uh, yeah, I believe it's a supercharged uh, V8, from what I remember. But
0: it's not all-wheel drive, like this. No. no so this it doesn't, doesn't launch off drive. the. It doesn't take off the the line just as as impressively. And i is it more expensive than this? <sighs> is it more? Expensive Am I asking than too this? many
1: questions? Well, these are all questions you could easily answer on the internet. It I is thought. slightly more expensive. It's $105,000, and it does zero to 60 in 2.6 seconds.
0: Oh, wow. It's not that big of a difference. Okay.
1: I mean, the trick of the E-Ray isn't that it's, you know, a world beater in terms of performance. I think they're really counting on the the all-wheel drive aspect of it. And I want to correct myself. The Z06, it is a naturally aspirated V8, 5.5 liter, 670 horsepower.
0: Wow. I can't wait to drive... Either of these two things, um, I still haven't driven the Z06 or Z06, um, and I'm curious. I do think that you know hybridization or electrification does add does have some performance benefits. I'm not one of those people that says electric cars are are not for the enthusiast. I do think they're they're exciting in their if done correctly.
1: This kind of feels um, like Chevrolet is using the electric motor and the all wheel drive system to give the standard engine Stingray a whole shot advantage off the line. Seems like a significant price difference,
0: though, right? Yeah, like if you was, get a Corvette for sixty grand, which was its big selling point when it came out. Once again, I don't know if people are actually getting it at sixty grand, but of course not. Um, you're adding these motors and a battery for like tw- it feels like almost a forty percent increase, right? Like yeah,
1: but I mean, you're targeting early adopters. You're targeting people who want that extra bit off the line, and you're targeting people who want an all-wheel drive Corvette for hashtag reasons. I mean, that's <laughs> I think kind of, kind of where they're going with this. Are
0: they going to steal buyers away from when the Audi R eight dis- just eventually
1: disappears? But, I mean, the Audi R eight is never going to disappear. I mean, <laughs> we've established that. You know, the, the regular Stingray does sixty in two point nine seconds, right? With the properly equipped, so yeah. that's only a half second. So you're spending in, it's 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 legit forty thousand dollars more <laughs> to get that half second to get the all wheel drive. So if that matters to you, and if you're intrigued by the idea of a hybrid stingray then go for it but as i you know when we first drove the, the stingray on the track we realized that it's not nearly as involved the driver's car as the c7 was and i kind of feel like the hybrid might take the driver even further out of the equation so that's something to think about too
0: okay um all right that's that's a fun that's been a fun episode i think i'm done i don't think i want to talk to you about any cars anymore
1: what okay. do you want to talk about next week when you've recharged your batteries and we can talk about cars again
0: Oh, you'd love this. I've got the new twenty twenty three Honda Pilot, which is a fourth generation. It's all new. Uh I'm driving a trail sport version of the of the car and I think an elite version, which are the two most interesting trim levels of the Honda Pilot. Um I'm, I'm gonna And be, after just after in the episode earlier I said I can't stand big cars. Here I go.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm gonna be hitting back with another Land Rover, but this time it's the Range Rover Sport, which is uh totally new for, for this model here. Oh,
0: you fancy, huh? Yeah. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on that car, um, and I'm sure our listeners can't wait either. And if you really can't wait, I think you should subscribe to our podcast. Now, the easiest way to do that, just go to your podcast uh, client, your podcatcher, uh, or podcast listening app, and just search for us, Unnamed Automotive Podcast, and uh, it should pop up. If it doesn't pop up, we'll, we'll be concerned, but uh, I have faith. Okay. You can, to, other, un,
1: you can go to you can go to com as well and find us there.
0: Yes. That <laughs> is one one great way to go to our uh to get a hold of us. Additionally, when you're there, you can fill out our contact form. You can get in touch with us. That's my favorite thing. I love hearing from you guys. I think Ben does too. Yeah. I'm- <laughs> Do you make a noise when you when an when an email comes in your inbox? I have a podcast? big
1: flashing light in the office that goes. Yes,
0: on. I knew it. Like a hockey, uh, like a hockey goal. It's blinding.
1: It's like I have to cover my eyes and like rope my way into the room and hit the off switch. <laughs> and they've been coming in
0: so frequently. I think you've been avoiding your office. My
1: neighbors are threatening a lawsuit unless I get curtains. That is true.
0: If you don't want to use our contact form for whatever reason, you can get in touch with us over social media. You can find Ben on Instagram. He's at hunting benjamin, And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. Additionally, you can email us the old-fashioned way. It's Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com.
1: So uh, once again, thank you for bearing with us with our holiday holidays. And we will talk to you soon. See ya.